Hello, and welcome to Hi-Ya, the martial arts podcast. This episode was recorded in late January 2013. Uh, this is Dave Jones, your host. Uh, we'll not be hearing Craig on the next couple of episodes because he was uh, flattened by illness, steamrolled by it. He had the flu, he had uh, maybe some norovirus in there, touch of the Black Plague, uh, some rickets or something, uh, uh, crossed eye syndrome, and uh, some, uh, uh, some Ebola on top of everything. So he's really been having a rough time of it. So everybody wish Craig well, and hopefully we'll get him back on the show soon. Um, in the meantime, I have a series of very interesting interviews for you people. Uh, this one today, well, this is a tricky one. Um, we are going to be speaking with Ryan Hall, who, uh, is a high level Brazilian jujitsu practitioner, uh, has his own 50, 50 jujitsu Academy. Um, and, uh, he recently wrote an open letter to the martial arts and we will have links to all this in the show notes, but you should look that up. That is the main topic of our conversation. Now this letter was brought about, um, by some recent incidents in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu world, they were everyone was shocked to find out that on New Year's Eve, uh, two team members from Team Lloyd Irving, uh, his uh, metal chasers, uh, raped a fellow student in a parking garage in D.C. on New Year's Eve. Um, and I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to put allegedly's in here because security cameras, according to the police, captured the entire thing and sent the whole community into an uproar. Um, during that uproar, it started to cascade uh, information, started coming out. Uh, Lloyd Irving himself had been involved in a rape and a gang rape in 1989. He was acquitted, but it was a more of a technicality than anything else. Um, it came out that uh, his own Sambo teacher was also convicted in 2005 of molestation uh, and minors. It's, it's a mess, folks. Uh, and we will provide links for you to read up on all this, but it's just, this kind of abuse happens all around the martial arts world. And Lord knows we've had to report these stories plenty of times in our news segments, but this one got a whole community up in arms because so many factors came together. Uh, the, the, uh, way people circled the wagons on the internet, uh, some of them to defend Lloyd Irving in spite of all the evidence, um, it's an ongoing saga. So suffice to say if you have the time and the inclination, it's worth digging into uh, because it illustrates so many of the problems, the hero worship, the hustling, hustling the suckers attitude, the just a lot of the bad things in martial arts in general. Again, this doesn't reflect specifically on Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but this particular case does revolve around those circles. So Ryan Hall is going to talk with us um, and give us some background and also you know, his open letter to the martial artist is something I think we all need to take a good close look at because it's great advice for anyone, traditional, sportive, new, old, you know, it's, it's something that really needed to be said. So we applaud him for standing up and saying it. That's really about all I need to say up here at the front. Uh, listen to the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'll talk to you a second after the interview, but, uh, we're going to have some Spartan shows here for you not our usual morning zoo crew kind of, uh, attitude until we can get Craig back in his chair, maybe prop him up with a stick there. So, uh, really hope you enjoy it. And, uh, I'll be in the champagne lounge.
And, and I mean, as far as, you know, I, I could have, when I wrote that letter, I could have gone and, and torn that guy to shreds for a variety of reasons, but I didn't feel that it would be productive. So, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't really have any, uh, I, I have no desire to do that, but I know that that's not the purpose of the call. I'll, I'll talk about anything, you know, and uh, if anything comes up, you know, I'll be honest with you, but I, uh, about, you know, something I don't want to, don't really want to touch on, but I can't imagine that'll be the case. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to get that out of the way up front. <laughs> yep. So, uh, uh, and I think you're right. Uh, if you had focused too narrowly on this, because I'll be right up front with you, you know, I and this is kind of embarrassing for a guy who runs a martial arts arts podcast that tries to be ecumenical and, you know, uh, as open as possible. I had no idea who Lord Irving was before any of this started. And I really had, you. I envy you. <laughs> I had no idea who you were either, though, frankly. Um, I envy you as well. <laughs> I envy you that too. <laughs> No, I feel much better now that I know who you are. Um, but uh, the first thing that I stumbled across with this was was that letter that you put out. Um, I, I'd call it an essay. It's about 20 pages long, but I'm really frustrated with people that are all like, oh, TLDR. Uh, you know, if you can't read a 20-page essay, then our democracy is probably doomed. But <laughs> to steer clear of politics for a minute, uh, why don't you go ahead and start out the way we usually start one of these interviews out by telling people uh, a little bit about yourself. And if you can, you know, the first chapter, if you will, of, or the first section of your essay uh, tells a great story about an up and coming martial artist. So, you know, go ahead and regale us with who Ryan Hall is. I mean, I'll tell the listeners before we start all this that, uh, you know, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's a multiple-time award winner in Mundials, Nogi, you name it. This guy's been everywhere, and he runs his own academy. Uh, 50-50 uh, jiu-jitsu, is, is that right? Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, I run an academy called 50-50 uh, jiu-jitsu in Arlington, Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C. So go ahead and, and give us your origin story, Ryan. Let, let us know where you come from and, and uh, how you got to be the guy you are. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the Arlington, Virginia, D.C. area. I uh, went to school here, you know, was here my whole life. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'd always had a, a passing interest in martial arts. It was, or not even a passing interest. I was highly interested. I just had no idea of really what it was and, and what was going on there. And I always was interested, but I didn't even really have the first idea of how to get started. And, uh, you know, for my entire life up through high school, I, I played baseball and, uh, you know, I loved it very much, but it got to the point at the end where it was just kind of like an unhealthy obsession. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I, when I moved on to college, I was like, hey, well, I think maybe it's time to take the next step on this one and, and try to do something new. And, you know, I'd always been very interested in martial arts and I started throwing around on the internet for a couple months to try to make the right choice because I didn't, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, I've been terribly risk averse, but I wanted to make a, you know, an informed decision. I tried to read up and understand what I was getting myself well, into. You're young enough that you could do that. I mean, I'm, I'm an old codger. I'm like 44 years old now and there was no internet. There was no nothing when I was a kid. You just basically, if there was a martial arts school on the corner, that was the one. That was the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, it's funny because it ended up kind of almost being like that because uh, you know obviously you know there was the internet out there but that was back in the back in the time before I realized what the internet was and that it's mostly just a bunch of people that don't know what they're talking about shouting <laughs> on a soapbox you know their own opinion like you know I can go on there and talk football you know but I've never really played I've only watched right and, but uh, I doesn't say that in my signature on the uh, on the post I guess but uh, you know I mean I. I started up and it was at a small academy in, in New York City called Roman Athletics. And it's funny because, uh, you know, had I even known what a Henzo Gracie was, 
I would have been there. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it was right near Henzo Gracie's Academy. It's a real famous spot in New York City that, you know, it produced at the time, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the top uh, American Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu players and, uh, and a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of tough mixed martial arts fighters. But, you know, all I really wanted to do was get into, into something that I guess I could use to affect the world around me a little bit, if only on a, a small level. You know, again, like I've always, like I said in my letter, I was, had a little bit of a preoccupation with uh, with right and wrong and justice, and I'd seen you know even little things in high school and here and there. Just you know, imagine I'm 275 pounds and you're 140 pounds. You may be right, but it's probably in your interest to keep that to yourself. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, let, let's say for instance, you know what you're up to. You can. It's not like you're going to abuse it, but you can stand your ground and say what needs to be said or do what needs to be done, knowing that should push come to shove, you know, you should be okay. Right. And, Some righteous uh, empowerment. You know, that's. <laughs> That was, I guess, that's kind of what I was shooting for, really, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think mean, most I kids are when they get started, you know? Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, I think that's really important, and I think that's something a lot of times, you know, we as instructors, at least personally, you know, I mean, it's easy to lose sight of because you get caught up in competition or fighting or whatever else. You know, you forget what it was like to be a white belt, what it was like to be the new guy, and I think that that's something that uh, we really have to combat, or at least I try, particularly, you know, during my letter, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I do things and, you know, how I could do things a lot better, and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, that we really need to, to recognize is that you're really essentially dealing with a child. You know, when you have, I don't care how old that person is, they are a child in the martial arts. And, and yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's almost impossible for them to have any idea what they're up to. So in a lot of ways, they're very ignorant. And anytime I'm ignorant and impressionable, I can be easily misled. So it's, it's very, very important, I think, as instructors that we, we realize who we're dealing with and we realize the responsibility that we have in front of us to try to make sure that we, we do right by everyone that comes to our door. Absolutely. And uh, there's more particulars about that I think we're going to get into shortly, but carry on with your story. I didn't mean to derail you. Oh, not at all. Uh, well, you know, I guess uh, I'm, I came in and, you know, I, I've been a good athlete my entire life, you know, not an NFL draft pick or anything like that, but, but a very competent athlete. And, uh, no, I, I figured, I was like, oh, I'll give this a shot. I had no idea what it was, you know, and uh, I had a friend or two that fiddled around with, you know, like three months of martial arts and he put on boxing gloves before and I'd been like, oh, I had no idea what I was doing. But I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'd give this a shot. Well, wrong. <laughs> you know, I, uh, <laughs> I remember getting just tuned up by, and not hurt, but just completely controlled in every single way by by guys that were literally, you know, the size of my girlfriend and in terms of muscle mass as well. And I was like, holy crap, this is like magic. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And right from that moment, I was an engineering student and I, and I guess I had some level of aptitude for that. But right then and there, I was like, well, engineering, not really a fan of you anymore. Martial arts, all right, this is what I like. I want to learn how to do this, this crazy witchcraft. And what was funny was, you know, the, the guy in question, the guys that were beating me up were not even themselves terribly high level. You know, they were, they were beginner martial artists themselves, but they might as well have been a superhero compared to me in terms of their capability. And I thought that that was incredible. Yeah, well, and, when you uh, first walk in the door, everyone knows more than you do. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. it, it's pretty neat. You know, I mean, it, it's, to say it's humbling is almost cliche and kind of silly because, like, the idea that I think I'm going to walk into a martial arts school and do well, that's like, you're like, yeah, I've never played hockey. I'm sure I'd be a fine player. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here, of course not. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but when it, uh, it's the sort of thing, you know, I, I guess maybe maybe the word applies, but it's just, I didn't even appreciate what I was getting myself into. And it was like, wow, whatever a tiny little bit I thought I knew, I sure did not know. And, uh, you know, I, I just had a phenomenal experience. It was at a place called Roman Athletics, and, you know, the head coach there, Christian Montes, is a, a still a, a close, close friend and, and mentor of mine still today. Awesome. And, uh, you know, he, he I learned so much in the, in the you know, the eight months that I was there, and then, uh, you know, ended up going back home for, for summer break for college, and at that point, I'd already really been bitten by the martial arts bug, something bad, and, uh, 
that's when, like you said, you know, you see the martial arts school on the corner, and this time it said, you know, mixed martial arts and, and jiu-jitsu in the corner, and more time, that's all I'd really, if someone had asked me about martial arts, I didn't, I mean, now I've really kind of developed a really deep appreciation for all sorts of martial arts, yeah. you know, so I, I've really tried to read up on history of all, on a lot of them, but at that point, you know, as far as I was concerned, all I even had, if someone had said Wing Chun to me, I would have looked at them like they had a second head on their shoulders, but, uh... <laughs> You know, I knew what Muay Thai was at least a little bit. And, Wasn't and that a band in the eighties, Wing Chun? Oh uh, yeah, there was. I guess there's been a bunch of them. It's, it's interesting. I've seen a lot of videos. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, um, you know, I walked into that school and and you know there was a, a guy, you know, a guy named Jeff Ruth, who was a you know fantastic martial artist himself. You know, he was a you know again by today's standard, not not the highest level guy in the world, but but top his nails. A great ended up becoming a friend and a mentor, a fantastic human being, and uh, you know and you know he kicked my butt again, completely unsurprisingly. And, you know, I immediately called up my instructor in New York, told him how much fun I was having. And, and again, he was happy for me. He's like, man, maybe you should stay, you know, do what you need to do and, and continue on, continue on learning. And I ended up, uh, you know, washing mats and, and living at the gym, at, at Jeff's gym to try to pay for classes because I was dead broke. You know, I started working, you know, overnight security at, uh, <laughs> at um, construction yards, which is really more than nothing more than just sitting in your car, trying not to fall asleep. But, you, didn't, um, you didn't get to put any of your engineering knowledge to play at the overnight construction job. Uh, yeah, not not too much. I don't think anybody would want me to build anything. I would uh, <laughs> I would have a lawsuit on my hands right after that. I think. But uh, funny, funny you mentioned engineering because so much of it, you know, is math and, and angles and things like that and geometry. And and I think that's what appealed to me so much about jujitsu in the beginning. And of course, martial arts in general have have everything to do with physics, but. Yeah. I felt like jiu-jitsu was so easy for me to wrap my head around because it was you grab the other person, the leverage is very obvious, whereas let's say, for instance, the striking, it's of course there as well, but it's a little bit more subtle because there's less connection to the other person. Right. So I, I didn't I didn't truly grasp that at all at that point, but uh, you know, my, my notebooks went from you know math and nonsense like that to pictures poorly, poorly drawn because I'm a horrific artist, pictures of, uh, of triangles and arm locks and this and that, and I'm sure three quarters of it was wrong, but at least my head was spinning and I was trying to trying to get the gears turning in the right direction. And well, uh, I guess at that point I started competing a lot. And I remember my first match, you know, I ended up getting into a, I had a match against a guy that was a collegiate wrestler who was somehow found his way into the beginner division at a grappling tournament, which wasn't entirely fair, but he, I got smoked. Like I, I got <laughs> Renegade chills in about 45 seconds. And, uh, and it, but, uh, you know, and I was, you know, disappointed, but I had, you know, no frame of reference. All I wanted to do, it, I just resolved to never quit and just keep on trying and keep on trying. And, you know, the next day of the tournament ended up winning four or five matches by submission doing well. And, you know, and that's when I really started to see the value. I went back and started training the next week and, you know, confidence was a little higher, focus was a little bit higher. And I was like, oh man, I really enjoy competition. It wasn't the sort of thing I ever envisioned myself becoming great at or doing all the time. But I was like, oh man, I really see the value in this. You're reminding me of baseball. And I started competing, competing, competing. And maybe about a year later, I, I had almost 100 wins under my belt in competition, you know, all over the place, uh, you know, blue world, you know, at a low level, of course, but lots and lots and lots by trying. Well, that's when I ended up getting picked up to compete and train full time by my old team. Um, and that was in uh, the end of 2005. And then from there, you know, I ended up competing all over the place, training all over the place, meeting tons and tons of people who were, you know, some great, some less. Uh, doing uh you know and just really getting to follow my dream it was a fantastic experience but it really taught me a lot of you know a lot of what i'd like to do and what a lot of what i'd like to help others with and and unfortunately it taught me a lot more in many cases about what i didn't want to do and what i didn't want to be and uh i guess that's what my the bulk of my letter was about Uh, before we move on when you first started competing because like i'm coming from a position a traditional martial artist very limited experience you know a little taekwondo competition and stuff like that 
when yep. when you weren't looking to get into it, but you kind of fell into it and realized you really loved it. What was it about it you loved at first? Like when you were still losing, what was it about competition that you really enjoyed? Well, I'll tell you, it, it made me nervous as hell, you know, to go out there and compete. There weren't even any punches flying. I mean, these were, this is grappling tournaments. And I got into martial arts, you know, I had no idea that jiu-jitsu tournaments existed. You know, I got into it. I didn't even like jiu-jitsu in the beginning, honestly. I liked Muay Thai. It's just, we started, I started banging my shins together with people. And one day, you know, I had to take a week off because, because of my legs were so sore. And then I guess I turned a little bit of a corner in jiu-jitsu at that point and kind of really started to change focus there. But right. I guess what I enjoyed so much about competition was that it, it didn't matter, like, the other guy could look scary, the other guy could look not scary, and you could never really tell who it was. The guy with the guy that's all steroided out with a bunch of bad tattoos is the guy that you beat in 12 seconds. And <laughs> yeah. the nerdy-looking kid with glasses goes and tunes you up, and you had no idea. And, and I really, I, I just thought it was neat, you know, getting getting used to, I, I saw the value of doing, of pushing things, that pushing myself into situations that I wasn't comfortable with. And I knew that even if I was never good at this, it was going to make me a stronger person, a better person. Because, again, the, the, the idea was, martial arts for real life and you know obviously i can't go around being a jerk to people and i can't run around with a mask on you know trying to beat up people so i, I well, you could but it wouldn't be good for your career i don't think yeah not, not good for the career you might, <laughs> might get a couple of bullet wounds a couple more bullet wounds than i'd otherwise like to have exactly so i guess um you know I, but again I, I always thought like okay well i remembered situations where you where we get heated or you get into it with somebody and i remember that feeling and martial arts competitions gave me that same feeling, like, oh, that, that kind of fight or flight response. And I was like, oh, man, if I can only get used to this, that'll really be something. So it wasn't even about the, the, the tournament so much as it was just chasing that, not, not, not being like an adrenaline junkie, but just being like, oh, this is real. This is, that, this is the edge of where I'm comfortable. Absolutely. And if I can keep on pushing that more and more, that's, that's when maybe I'll really be able to have something there. Awesome. I, I want to boomerang at the end of this interview because uh, uh, you've done a little uh, speaking on other podcasts and uh, writing uh, or been written up about anyway uh, for a little street incident you had, which I think you made some great points on that as well. Um, we'll, we'll come back around to it. We'll do the street versus uh, gym thing in a minute. Um, okay. Let's let's go ahead and dive into the shit storm. Yep. If you don't mind. Not at all. And, you know, frankly, I feel like I'm I'm channeling Mr. Leahy from the Trailer Park Boys because I, I really, I went into this, I read your essay, and I'm like, okay, this story makes a bunch of great points. Stuff that, like, not even just martial arts need to start being aware of. Uh, and we can talk about the social, political implications of just some of the attitudes on display in a minute. But when I went down the rabbit hole trying to put context onto this, I got sucked in. I spent 30 hours. I'm like, oh, this is shitty. This is a shit story. This is a fucking shit diamond here. This thing has so many facets. Oh, it's just ridiculous, really. Yeah. So, um, I mean, let's uh, say so you were a member of uh, Lloyd Irving's team uh, for, for, quite, for quite some time. And it's obvious from what you wrote in, in that essay that uh, after a while you started seeing the handwriting on the wall. I mean, what was your personal experience like there, as much as you want to, you know, talk about that? Uh, well, you know, I mean, my, my personal experience was in the beginning, you know, particularly when I wasn't sure what I was involved in. You know, I had those rose-colored glasses on, so to speak. I mean, I was beyond excited. I mean, to tell you that I enjoyed myself and, and everything like that would be an understatement. I was so excited to be a part of something, you know, not, not like... Like, oh, man, you know, I'd always had friends, and I actually, you know, always had very, very close friends that I'd spend more time with rather than 45 of my, you know, pretend buddies or less less friendly guys. But, like, uh, right. you, you know, I, I guess uh, it was neat. I, 
I felt like I was a part of something special. Like the way that everyone, you know, acted around there was like, holy crap, this must be the only place in the world that has real martial arts. And yeah, you felt like you walked into the middle of a movement or something, you know, that you wanted yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. incredible. You know, it's, and it's almost like, imagine, you know, you and I are sitting here and we're looking at the floor and the floor is a mat and it's blue. And we're like, oh, okay. I ask you, I'm like, hey, Dave, so what color is that floor? You're like, that's oh, blue. And I'm like, ah, oh, you're right, you're right. And then two other guys come over and they're like, no, 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 it's just red. Like, are you, are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's blue. <laughs> and then 45 other people come over and say, no, nah, guys, it's definitely red. We look at each other and we're like, no, we're pretty sure. But what if those 40 people are the only 40 people we ever interact with? We're right. going to know it's blue, but at a certain point, we're going to be like, are we fucking crazy? I mean, are we out of our damn mind, or is this really not yeah. blue? You know? No, there's um, a reason the argument ad populum is a common fallacy. It gets into our I mean, human brains, and if everybody's yes, sir. pushing in the same direction, there we go. It's funny that you mention that, because so many logical fallacies are all all over the damn place, but because so many people don't even realize they exist, they, we're all, we're all, we can be preyed on or we're subject to all of those things. But, you know, it's like, because we understand the existence of these holes in logic and these fallacies, you know, we can say, well, hey, I mean, I see what you just did there. That's not right. But if we don't even know they exist, you, you know, I mean, you can fall, you know, for something like that, hook, line, and sinker. And, and I think that's what happens a lot. Well, it took me and, until I was 30 years old to even learn the inductive logic fallacies. And, why aren't they teaching that shit in high school? Come on. Uh, seriously, man. I, the, I, I wish I could have trained in a couple of my uh, filler classes in any grade level for something like that, because that's exactly. the life skills that protect you from everything. I mean, just, you know, just with politics, man. If you want to sit there and make a logical argument, and then I go ad hominem on you, there's more people on my side than yours, because I appeal to emotion, and that's what leads you to wrap your head around. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> we can fix the educational system in a minute. <laughs> yeah, one day, one day, if you got time for a crusade, I'm in. But, uh, well, I, may anyway, I guess to continue, you know, I mean, I was competing all over the place and, uh, and you know, training as much as I could. And, you know, I was still working at the gym, you know, at uh, my friend and coach's uh, Jeff Ruth's gym in uh, Arlington, Virginia. You know, he'd, he'd open up a new spot. I was training Muay Thai and training uh, – training jujitsu and you know and train and working on the side there to, to make enough money to, to pay for rent and to live and whatnot and uh, you know i was going around and competing but you know all the time i started to, to see things that i wasn't very comfortable with you know a lot of things all sorts of things really um you know both specific instances as well as to start to get a feel for how people are treated and i also realized that i'm like well you know i'm, I'm, I'm benefiting a little bit more than than other people here and you know a lot of people are being taken advantage of in a lot of different ways and you know i was one of them even though many of the battles that i had with the people with powers to be there were in defense of others and sometimes those others knew that they should be defended and other times those others just were a little bit too simple to realize what was happening and you know i would just kind of take up the cause for them but i I guess uh you know i mean i i my parents saw a lot of things because i would tell them what's going on and they'd see this or they'd hear that and they'd ask me and i would violently defend the people that i was associated with because not because i you know i I love and trust my parents they're brilliant you know i mean my family's full of doctors and scientists they're smart people they see they see much more than i saw nice but because i was i guess i think i made a huge mistake because i you know i was you know 21 years old 20 years old and you know, maybe computationally relatively bright, I guess, you know, and, and, that, and that I could look at myself and be like, yeah, I'm a relatively smart guy. Of course I know what's up. Wrong. Because just because I'm relatively smart, I had no experience. There's no way I could see a damn thing. You know, I could, it's like if someone could press a button and give you all the martial arts knowledge in the world, but you've never started a day in your life. 
Right. You'll know how to do all the moves, but you won't have the context. You won't understand traps and feints, and you'll fall for everything. And that's pretty much what happened to me. Yeah. And uh, honestly, and I mean, as I started, my parents, you know, we argued in the beginning, but again, showing how much smarter than me they are, they stopped pushing. And well, they weren't just smarter; they were more experienced. So they, you know, yes, sir. And they knew that even though they were right, if they pushed on something that was an emotional hot button for me, all that was going to happen was that I was going to yell back and they weren't going to get anywhere. Yeah. So what they ended up doing was waiting and waiting. And I started to just kind of come to certain conclusions on my own that they weren't really, I mean, they were my conclusions, I guess you could say, but I was, I was made aware that, that I should be considering these certain angles, you know, thanks to my parents and other people that were, you know, that were responsible. Some of my friends, you know, some of my friends in my martial arts academy, some of the more responsible guys who, and, you know, girls have been around for a lot longer and, Man, at, at a certain point, I just started to become really, really embarrassed to be associated with things when I looked for a way out, and I just didn't, I didn't see it. And honestly, I mean, at the same time, I almost, I wanted to leave, but at the same time, you know, when you're in, you're kind of in, in mired in the, in the midst of all of that, I was so sure that if I left, my martial arts career was over. It's done because nowhere else is any good in this. Oh or that. yeah, nobody oh, wants man. a betrayer on their team, you know. Oh, of course, yeah. And if you leave for any reason, I don't care if it's geographical, job, whatever. You know, you're a traitor and this and that, and how dare you? And I mean, and of course, there's so much social pressure. You think that, man, all my friends won't be my friends anymore. Well, that's like, you know, you and I work at the same business. You move on and, 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 and you say, hey, Ryan, how's it going? I'm like, eh, yeah. Yeah. we're not friends anymore. Well, obviously, if that was the case, I wasn't your friend to begin with. Right. And once I realized that, it became a heck of a lot easier to be like, all right, I'm going to do what needs to be done. And I'm going to try to get myself and anyone else that, that, will, that will listen on out of here. Well, uh, at this point, I think it's it's a good time. One of the things I want to talk with you about was just sort of the 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 climate of of that environment in general. I mean, looking into this guy, um, you know, it's just it's like a red flag parade. He uh, he has uh, you know uh, uh, martial miracles or martial millionaires or whatever and all this stuff. It just seems like. Yep. It seems like he took the playbook from the financial sector that was going on at the same time and and ran with it. And it's funny you mention that. That's that's kind of exactly what happened. And it, you know, it's almost like let's say, for instance, you and I get together and we go up to the North Pole and we run into the Eskimos. And I, I believe the Eskimos. I could be wrong. But and uh, we say, hey guys, check out this thing called martial arts. And they're like, holy shit, this is incredible. And all we say is, you're sure right, it is. They're going to look and say, holy crap, Ryan and Dave are geniuses. These guys are incredible. <laughs> they must have invented this. Now, did we tell them that? No, but left to their own devices. They'll, they'll fill in the gaps in their mind because we didn't say, hey, well, there were these other guys that taught us, and hey, there was this guy named Muhammad Ali that was pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so, and like you said, it, it, it's very impressive if you don't know the playbook exists, which, of course, it does, and every, you know, and all it is is just lateral move from another field. Right. But, you see a bunch of guys, I mean, the martial arts world, I can speak, you know, at least the jiu-jitsu world, you know, lovely people, and, and it has all kinds, but a lot of the guys that are that are in real seriously are, are not the world's best businessmen, not the world's most educated, and sometimes they're outright lazy and fucking greedy, and yeah. that's a, a rough combination. If I'm lazy, that's one thing. If I'm lazy and greedy, holy crap, you can get me to do anything. Yeah, I'm lazy, but I'm not greedy. Lord knows. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's... Part of the culture going on there is is uh, the fact that if people aren't hip to what you're selling and don't know the background, then it's okay to scam them or to upcharge them or to, you know, to work some sort of game on them because that's the game. And, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. 
Uh, right. Yeah, it's funny you mention that. That's like if I go on a murder spree, damn cops or haters I'll tell you, man, they're just yeah. trying to trying yeah. to keep me down. And it's, yeah, like you said, it, it, what it does is it removes any sort of responsibility or self governance from from your thought process. Because you're like, well, I'm going to get them before they get me. And it's like, hey, guys, all of life is not a competitive fight. You know, where yeah, I'll, I'll I'll hit you when I can hit you because it's within the rules. I'm not going to cheat, but I'll do what I need to do to push you away. Because yes, you would do the same because this is a contest against of an equal opponent. But let's say, for instance, you're a black belt and I'm a white belt, and we happen to somehow cross paths in a competitive match. That's funny that because that actually happened one time. There's a guy named Shanji Hibero who's one of the best jiu-jitsu players competitively in the history of jiu-jitsu. I accidentally signed up for a division one time at a grapplers quest. Uh, it was a big regional tournament at the time yeah. when I was a blue belt. I've been training for one year and somehow I have no idea. I, I felt so embarrassed once I realized what I'd done. <laughs> I've been training for a year and I got myself into a match with Shanji Hibero, who at the time was a phenomenal black belt. And I hope well, he was gentle. You know what? Exactly. He, he kicked my butt, but you know what? He, he, at the time I was like, wow, I recovered good. No, I didn't. I did not recover anything. He was, it was the world's gentlest, sweet pass and arm lock you've ever seen in your entire life and you know would it technically have been okay for him to rip my arm off yeah but you know what i really appreciated that he was a gentleman about it and it just was like you know what i don't need to do this to this kid and it's not like i was trying to kick him in the face of doing anything grimy but you know he didn't say ah this is my unique opportunity to get somebody that doesn't even know what's coming you know yeah. I, i've had the same thing happen in matches before like i put people in heel hooks and i'm like in, in different submissions and i'm like man this dummy's not tapping <laughs> All right, I'm going to let him out. I even lost a match like that one time because I let this kid out like four different times and then the ref made a mistake and he lost. But you know, at the end of the day, it was frustrating, but I'm glad I didn't cripple this kid. Yeah, you slept and, better losing a match than crippling some dumb kid. Exactly. I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, much, I'll be much better off. I'm not going to hurt this kid. But the idea that, yeah, like I'm going to try to grease you if I can and that that's somehow acceptable is, is ridiculous. Not to mention, if, hey, if I'm going to be a scumbag, at least man up and admit to being a scumbag. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, I'm cheating people. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you cry foul when you call me. on Like, I'm going to cheat everybody. And then when you call me, hey, Ryan, you cheat people. Hey, 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 what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, I got a reputation. <laughs> You're like, yeah, Ryan, you got a reputation as a scumbag. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny. It's like at least if you're going to go hard, be mad enough to go hard all the way. Don't cry when people call you on it. Yeah, that's, that's something that you know. I'm more from the traditionalist side, but there's a huge amount of problem with the, exactly the same thing on this side of the aisle. And a lot of people they call it wuda, right? Martial virtue, yep. and they everybody talks about wuda in the sense that don't be disrespectful to your superiors or whatever. But that's you know, that's sort of the military conditioning side of it. The real Wu does don't break that dumbass kid's arm. He doesn't really know what he's doing, and he thinks he's weird, right. You know. Yep. Oh. It really, yeah. Exactly. Real honor lies with the guy that has power. Mercy is for the. It's funny because people that are fools and people that are weak think that mercy is for the weak, or that you know, it's for the strong. It's a sense of it's a sign of strength when I cross you in a way that you could crush me, and you say, "Hey, I'm going to teach this kid a lesson. I'm not 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 teach him a lesson like cripple me, but say, look, Ryan, right. stop doing what you're doing." You know, this, what you're doing is not right. Let me educate you, not let me just destroy this person and show them just how powerful I really am. Right. It's a teachable it's a, moment, a, not a breakable moment. <laughs> exactly. I should really, really, really have to push you so far for you even to consider something like that. And I, I wish, I feel like that's something that, that gets lost in jujitsu. You know, I mean, it, it, we started, I mean, really, I used to think it was cool when I was a kid. Like the idea of like, oh yeah, dojo storms, that sounds awesome. And then I think about it like, 
wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. That sounds real cool when you're one, you know you're going to win, and two, you're kind of mature. It's like, yeah, let me go barge into someone's school and beat them up. Right. How would I feel if George St. Pierre kicked down the drawer at 50-50 shoots you just beat the shit out of me? <laughs> right. like, uh, well, I, I can't stop him. I guess that makes it okay. That, that's that's ridiculous, you know? That, that's absurd, you know? But that's the sort of thing that, that a lot of ways jiu-jitsu is founded on, and it's kind of continued on into this gang mentality, this ridiculous nonsense. And, uh, you know, I mean, of course there's positive things about it as well, but, but that type of stuff is just, it, it's not really acceptable behavior. And when you think about it, there's all sorts of all sorts of things that sound great when you're on the on the winning end of it. That when you really consider, you're like, man, this is this is not really what people should be doing. Right, and the, you know, like from the traditional side of things, a lot of us really envy the the jujitsu guys because it is sort of that old west, like you know, show up and challenge the other master and whatever. You know, the proof is in the pudding, and this match right. will decide who is better and who is worse. Right. Um, but which is very cool, provided that you know we have, let's say, for instance, level footing. You know, that's that's like, hey, you know, I want to see George St. Pierre fight the best. That's fantastic. George is, is I, I get to, I feel lucky enough to get to train with him every so often. Yeah. He's a gentleman, he's an incredible athlete. Wow. I don't want to see George St. Pierre savagely beating an amateur fighter. And thank God he's a he's a sweetheart. He wouldn't do something like that. But that's the sort of thing. Like, I mean, really, if you think about it, let's say, for instance, I've been doing challenge matches for ten years. And you have never done anything like that. And I kicked down the door to your school. That's not a fair fight. That's a, no. I, that's a trap. When you think about it, that's a trap. Absolutely. You know, and I, I just, that sort of behavior is just unacceptable. And, and more, if there's a word, I would say dishonorable. Yeah. I mean, not only are you beating somebody's head in, but you're breaking the rice bowl too, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I'm surprised that they're so aggressive about this stuff because most of the guys that I've, you know, that I have any experience with or, or, or see in public, it seems like, you know, your career, you, you may be a competitor for a long time, but your career in that sport is uh, opening an academy if you get enough of a following and enough of a reputation and, you know. Yep. That sort of thing. So if, if the guy that's a little higher than you can come in and jerk the rug out from under you. I mean, that's part of the process, I guess, but is that moral, you know? Yeah, I, I would agree 110%. And the other thing that's pretty funny is I've sparred a lot of MMA with a lot of jiu-jitsu guys now. Most of them, if you hit them in the face, they get terrified and cower. You know, so how would they like it if the MMA guys were to kick down their door? It's like, it's easy. Again, it, all sorts of things sound great when you're the tough guy and you have all the advantages, but it's just life is not meant to be lived like that. If I push you to a ridiculous degree, okay, maybe you decide, all right, I'm, I need to put Ryan in check. But if you're minding your own business, man, I just need to leave you alone. Yeah. Look, I'm not the best in the world at anything, and I know that. But, you know, I, I try to be better than the kids I teach. Mm-hmm. What, what more can you expect out of me, really? And frankly, if they learn everything I know, which is not that hard to do, I send them on to somebody better, you know, or kick them And up. that's actually, that's, and that's what a good coach does. And what's funny about that is there's no shame in that. And that was yeah. something else that I found was interesting about about my my old situation was that there was the idea that like oh there's anything else why would you ever need to do anything else why would you need to go outside would you ever, why would you ever need to to learn from this or that yeah. and you know I mean like you said you know there's no shame in someone saying Ryan he's pretty good at martial arts I'm like yeah I'm, I'm pretty good I've been successful well is Marsh is Marshall Garcia better than you at Jiu Jitsu like absolutely you know I mean do you still have anything to add any value yeah I guess I could try but if someone said Ryan are you as accomplished she is no. If someone said, Ryan, I feel like I've reached the end of what you can show me. Do you think it would, you know, is, is, is a time to move on? If, you know, if I really care about your development, if I'm truly your friend or if I was truly a mentor, I would say, yes, I would be honest about the situation. I wouldn't say, well, this is going to make me look bad. Or this hurts my feelings. 
I would realize that, again, this is a sign of strength, saying, go on, spread your wings, do what you need to do. Not, oh, shit, if I send this guy on, other people are going to realize that I'm not the one. I'm not the oracle. I don't have every single answer in the universe. But again... Yeah, and he's not paying me anymore. He's paying somebody else. It's a shame. But, I mean, I guess in my mind, if the day ever comes where I I no longer am qualified to teach or I don't have enough, you know, enough experience or enough anything... I'll close my doors and do something else, you know, and and, I, and there's no shame in that either. But I remember all sorts of things, you know, being, well, anytime it was someone like, oh, so-and-so, you know, decided to go back and do a regular job or this or that, oh, they quit. You know, this guy's worthless, what a, you know, what a punk or whatever. And, you know, and that, that attitude is hardly localized to one academy or anything like that. That's a, all yeah. over the place, but that's a, that's a foolish, foolish mentality. Right. Well, let's. This is kind of connected to the same subject. So let me go ahead and broach this. I mean, the concept of, of command culture. Um, you know, as Stephen Kepfer mentioned this in the context of this whole thing, and, you know, I think maybe he's on to something, but I don't know for sure. I mean, if you look at this story as it's evolved, there's three generations of abuse running through this, this sort of timeline here. Um, yeah. and you know, how, how much is that being caused by the initial abuser? How much is that is caused just by the, the circumstances that each teacher finds themselves in based on what they look. It's a hard question to phrase if you follow me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly would never, would never. I mean, well, one, first off, I'm a big believer in command culture, and I think that even though it's a uh, you know a command climate, and however however we'd like to phrase it, and you know, obviously, you know how you lead at the top will influence everything, and and very often in indirect ways that are that are difficult to quantify. You know, I, I certainly I would never suggest that you know those kids doing bad stuff are a direct result of any anything that you know they were told to do or any any sort of thing where like a, a, the idea that there's like oh man like a, a rape culture or something like that. Right. I, not that I'm even sure exactly what that would entail. That being said, I, I would absolutely state that the idea that you know there let's say for instance like it's a really obnoxious I hate the word hater. Yeah, it's just yeah. such a stupid, stupid, stupid. It's a write off. Yeah, exactly. It's a cop, it's a bullshit cop out that's meant for me to be able to be like, oh yeah, whatever you're saying has no validity just by its nature. It's an ad hominem attack on what you're saying, right. and by definition, it's a logical fallacy and therefore bullshit. And basically, I mean, if if I create in my mind the idea that I am above what's going on, I am above the commentary, I am above the judgment of anyone. Other people that are below me, if they look up to me, they will seek to be like me. Right. You know, if only on some little level, they will adopt that that mentality. Now, let's say, and I could do even worse, and I could say, well, what you guys are doing too, anyone that disagrees with you is just a pussy and a hater or this or that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a pretty tough guy, and I disagree with a lot of that stuff. And uh, I know some other pretty some guys that are much tougher than me that would disagree with a lot of that stuff, much tougher than them that would disagree with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, I hardly think that that would make someone unsuccessful by definition, but it's nonsense. And uh, that's the sort of thing where I start to think of myself as beyond the judgment of anyone and anything. It, once I start to internalize that, there's it really starts to there my the governors on my behavior and on my thought process really start to go away. And that can spiral out of control into any number of bad things. And that, you know, although I would never, I would never directly attribute or suggest that anything was like, oh yeah, it's okay to go and cause harm to people or rape them. But I've seen all sorts of ridiculous bullshit going on. I remember watching, you know, but, uh, 
the idea that, that you're not accountable for your behavior to anyone except for your teammates and your buddies who think just the same way as you is, it could not be more wrong. I remember seeing, you know, I've gone to tournaments and just tried and been so nice to people, you know, like, you know, when I was getting ready for Abu Dhabi and different tournaments and I would go compete at local tournaments just to play around. You know, yeah. I wasn't out there fucking people up and crippling them. They didn't right. have a prayer against me. They didn't have a chance. You know, it wasn't a fight. It was a grappling match and I was an elite competitor and they were some guy. Right. They don't have a prayer. You know, it's like I'm going to go fight George St. Pierre in an MMA fight. I don't have a prayer, you know. Right. <laughs> and, and But he doesn't need to cripple me to beat me. Now, I mean, if I really was a jerk, maybe he'd beat me up. But he does, He could beat me up or hurt me in any number of different ways. And I guess uh, I've, I've seen people entering, you know, like very high-level wrestlers entering beginner divisions and white belt divisions and going three guys in a row, belly-to-back suplex and knocking people unconscious and then high-fiving all their teammates. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen. That's ridiculous. Like to do that. That's just insanity. Like how would you think that was so funny if Alexander Corellin showed up and did the same thing to you? Probably not. Yeah, you know? or go try that shit in a biker bar in your pajamas, you know? Right. It's it's all it's all fun and games where you're the big bully and there's ten of you and one of them. But you right. know, the same people that do that kind of nonsense would never have the stones to do it. And what's funny is again, people that go hard like that, and that's not even go hard, but people that are bullies like that they very rarely have the nerve to be a bully all the time. They're a bully when they can get away with it, and then they cower or they kiss up to people that can bully them. Oh, that's you know? the cycle I, of bullying right there. Right. I would almost respect someone. I wouldn't think they're terribly bright, but I respect someone that's a jerk all the time because, hey, they're going to get their licking, too. You know, <laughs> At they're least they're consistent. Jerk, yeah. but they're going to get what's coming to them. But if I'm a jerk only when I can get away with it, now I'm a sneaky little, you know, something. And that's just not even the least bit respectable. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, this... Power, when it gets a hold of people, this plays out in all sorts of scenarios. It's not unique to martial arts or, you know, MMA or or anything else. But let me ask you this. Do you think that there's an element? Because I've seen, I mean, we do a news segment a couple of times a month. And if we don't want a, a story about somebody abusing their students on, we have to ignore it. Because it's so ubiquitous. You know, this has blown up huge, but this is not uncommon in general at all is there something about the martial arts like there are certain professions where you know some element of it can make a culture of abuse even more likely or stronger like you know just the physical power you gain from getting skill in martial arts does that push you a little further i i would say absolutely you know it's funny i mean i'm a, I'm a huge lord of the rings nerd and all sorts of other nerds actually but anyway oh, uh, ditto. i, I yeah. feel like i feel like having power over people it's like too much power people it's like wearing the one ring you can only do it for so long before it corrupts you and before it, you stop being the guy you started as. Because let's say, for instance, I'm at my academy and I, you know, I think I'm being a reasonable guy, but I start, you know, I'm, I, I start acting like a jerk. Am I, you know, maybe I'm not getting out of control, but I'm acting like a bit of a jerk, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, but nobody says anything to me because I'm the guy in charge and there's respect and maybe they're even scared of me. Worse yet, you know, what I might do to them or even not what I might do to them, but what I could do to them if I chose to physically. Right. And, you know, Let's say, for instance, no one puts me in check. It's like, imagine people had stopped Hitler in 1937. Yeah. It wouldn't have gotten to the crazy point that it did that required everyone to get involved. But because appeasement never works, you right. know, things spiral out of control. So you let me go, you let me go, and I've been a jerk little by little by little, getting worse and worse and worse, because no one ever said, hey, Ryan, man, take it down a notch. Do you even realize what you're up to? Which may have been all it took in the beginning. I get so out of control by the time it's like five, six years from now that you literally have to like grab me and stuff me in a chair and be like, Hey, you're being an asshole, man. You need yeah. to calm down. Or maybe that won't even get the point across because now I've got 25 other guys that are just like me surrounding me. Yeah. And you know, I think that it's, uh, 
it absolutely can get out of control. And I mean, like, just heck, look at, you know, whether it's physical power, mental power, emotional power, look at religion. It's, it's, I love religion. It's fantastic. It's an incredible blessing on humanity in a lot of ways, but it's ripe for abuse because yeah. just by wearing a by wearing a collar, you trust me. You know, you oh, say, yeah. oh, Ryan must be a good guy. I've never met that guy, but hey, he's a priest. He must be a lovely human being. And statistically speaking, most priests are great, I'm sure. But there's that small percentage that uses that to hide behind. And there's plenty of people that are like And an endemic culture in there that allows them to do that by shuffling them um, around to parish parish. You know, that's one of those cases where you have a, an advantage that's built into the system. You know, yeah, there are probably just as many abusers in secular life, but they don't have that extra mechanism. Or they exactly, and, and that's the thing about it is like, and this is something that was just massively disappointing to me about the response in the martial arts community over what's just gone on is, you know, the coolers of the people, you know, I mean, honestly, when I wrote that letter, I was like, oh, well, it might be torpedo on my reputation here, you know, I guess we'll see how the chips fall, and, you know, maybe that's still going to be the case, but like I said in the beginning, if my community can't be relied upon to meaningful police, meaningfully police itself on something as clear as day as this, I don't want to be a part of it. And, yeah. you know, there's so many people that would apologize. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I, it was a long time ago. Or, oh, maybe this person asked for it or this or that. Or oh, I've seen like, lots of mansplaining sh- on the Internet looking into this. And believe me. <laughs> Holy shit. How many people are going to make excuses for this? That's, like you said, that's almost that's kind of the martial arts equivalent of like, hey, let's move this guy around. Nobody knows about it. Let's hush hush, you know, yeah. keep it on the low. And it's always it's funny. You know, someone made a good point, you know, when I was talking the other day, they brought up. It's very rarely the action that gets people, it really kind of gets their data up. It's the cover-up. You know, it's when, when you right. call me to the carpet and I, and rather than saying, oh, man, Dave, you're right, I screwed up. No, almost no matter how bad it is, you may say, all right, Brian, well, I don't like you and I don't like what you did. But, hey, I can't, I can't shoot Fletcher for being a straight shooter. You know, you've done this, that, or that thing to, to own up. It's like Watergate, you know, like big yeah. deal, bad, or the Monica Lewinsky thing. Big deal, yeah, bad, but it's the cover-up. It's the lies after right. that makes it like, well, I'm calling you an idiot for, you know, and calling you an asshole by saying that you're not seeing what you're seeing. And, you know, and I think that's what really gets people. But honestly, I, I mean, I was just ho- I was hoping for a stronger response from, from a lot of people, and it never came. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, I wasn't. I didn't write my letter about a specific individual or a specific organization. I wrote it about martial arts in general. And a lot of the people that are in my position or in positions higher than mine or lower than mine or something comparable, they're benefiting from the same things that allow this nonsense to go on. And as a result, whether they feel embarrassed to speak up because they themselves are guilty on some small level, like I know I am, sure. they're like, eh, "Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, be the one to knock the wheels off the gravy train here," you right. know, and it's. I, it's, it's, yeah, but, man, I don't even know what to say, but it was, it's disappointing. Well, it, it seems like, you know, I, I think you do the right thing. And, and there have actually been a few other good voices. Uh, 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 Odette, uh, Georgia Odette, she's done some great blogging on this and stuff. And, I saw that as well. I thought, I thought what she wrote was very on point. Very and on point. I'll link to all this in the show notes for the listeners. But, um, you know, part of the problem is you not only need – people to kick you back into play that that you'll listen to uh because we all make mistakes right we're all human we're all gonna fuck up but you need some people around you that can not only kick you back into play when you start getting off the reservation but you need to somehow make sure you don't chase those people away because they're a threat to your business that's usually usually what happens when i'm too far gone right is i hadn't been told no for so long that when you tell me no not only do i not like it i'm actually pissed at you and i'm going to send you on your way (laughs) talk to me that way while i (laughs) that's right don't you know who i am i've done this that or the other thing you know (laughs) right (laughs) 
almost kind of want to move past this into some of the last points that you that you give in your essay because I think that's the broader message that that people not even just martial artists, but we all need to sort of step back. You know, I wish there had been a stockbroker somewhere who came out and wrote a letter like this in, in 2010, you know, that yeah. it's, it's endemic in our culture right now. And, uh, it, it really is. It's, it's sad, man. I honestly think in a lot of ways, our culture has gotten very poisonous. It's, it's so the more narcissistic and self-focused I am, the more easily I can be manipulated and controlled. And the more likely I am to do whatever the hell that pops into my head and justify it as, hey, you know, whatever, because that's the way things are. You know, I mean, how many people write on their damn Twitter feed what they had for breakfast this morning like anybody gives a shit? Right. You know, like, obviously, the fact that I'm even doing that lets you know where my head is at. It's not like a malicious thing, but it's like, Ryan, man, calm down. No one cares, dude. Just chill out. You know, something important in life happens and you feel the need to tell the world, all right, do your thing. But there's a level of, of, of narcissism that's being sold to us every single day that I think really, really helps to shut our brains off to, the, to what's going on around us and to the people around us. And it's a real shame. And, and I think it's hard for us to really grasp. And I'm, I'm certainly not smart enough to really truly understand what, you know, what the full you know, extent of it's going to be. Well, I mean, in 30 years from now, we're going to look back and say, holy shit, man, what has this done to us? Well, you know, the, the whole Internet culture is a double-edged sword because, yeah, it's full of people spouting off baseless opinions and telling you what they had for breakfast or what their last bowel movement was shaped like when nobody gives a damn. But it's also a place where, uh, you know, you put your letter out and it went viral. It reached me as a mainly a traditional martial artist. This was showing up all over my feed before Stephen contacted me or anybody else to say, hey, you guys should take a look at this for the podcast. I was seeing it, you know, I was, I was already, Oh, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, that gets out there. Um, so it's certainly worth doing. I mean, what the hell else are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah, I I suppose so. I guess I never really post on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. So I guess I was like, yeah, well, might as well give it a shot. I I had no idea it would actually have any reach. People grab this thing and, and I saw it, you know, I, I, I try, I'm trying to stay off Facebook now, so I never click on anything the first time I see it, but this kept popping up an open letter from our martial artists from different friends of mine. Uh, so, you know, I think sometimes these things have more reach, reach than we realize. Um, if you're not monitoring that sort of thing and I want to push it out there too. So, you know, let's, let's move on past this thing. This story again, I'll, I'll recap this at the beginning so people will know sort of the background before we're talking about this, but, uh, you know, it's just brutal. And so many factors came together in this, that it, it makes a great example. And I really appreciate you stepping up to the, to the forefront of people that are speaking out about this. Thank Um, you so much. Hey, thank you. So let's let's go back. I want to recap just for our listeners, if you will, with me, the, the points you give. Sorry, I'm flipping through my notebook now. I took a ridiculous amount of notes. <laughs> Can we just address these, uh, these few points here, these seven points, I believe? Absolutely. So the first, um, first one is sorry. learn. I'll let you run with it. It's your show. Uh, well, I mean... Uh... You know, I, I guess like I said, learn the, the first thing to just like we were discussing with logical fallacies and things like that. The first, the first, uh, you know, step to avoiding anything is learning about it. It's just like I'm very easy to punch in the face if I've never done, you know, much kickboxing or martial arts before. Right. But you know, after you get a lot of, after you, the more experience and the more education that you get in the martial arts, the more you become savvy to all sorts of things. You're tougher to trick, tougher to fool. Not impossible. You know, you're still a human being. We're all fallible. You know, very. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's education that allows us to protect ourselves. And I think that, uh, you know, realizing that, 
you know, that we don't have all the answers, that it's important to continue to educate ourselves is, is very important and to see and to understand the means that people use to try to gain influence. And like you said, this is hardly unique to the martial arts. This is, I, I feel like life stuff in general, not, I mean, and we could take this, you know, this type of manipulation or control and, and, and you'll see it in any field anywhere. Anytime there's an important person, Absolutely. you know, keep, uh, keep an eye on what's going on. And I, I think that, uh, you know, What's interesting is is the manipulators, generally speaking, are very well read. <laughs> you know, the same way you or I might learn how to how to switch a jab and do a little bit better. They're practicing and saying, "How can I get this person mentally off balance? How can I make this person more and more susceptible to what's going on?" Because I know that that was certainly the case with my old team. I mean, that was this is a well read individual. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it, it was not an accident. And again. It's easy to look and say, holy shit, so-and-so is a genius. And it's like, oh, look, I've known a genius or two in my day, and you know, I mean, I'll leave it as that. But if I've never heard about anything, and you start to use these techniques on me, or you start to tell me all sorts of ideas, and you don't give me the information, you don't say, hey, just let you know, I read this in book X, or I learned this here. It's very, very easy to be swayed by this person or to be swayed by this information. So it, it, I think it's each of our responsibility to protect not only ourselves, but the people around us by by reading and understanding, you know, the, the types of things that, that people will do to try to manipulate and control you and understand that. And, uh, yeah, you know, just, just educating them on the basic rules of how you evaluate information. Absolutely. You know, I, I just read some Steven Pinker and Lawrence Krauss, but I'm, I'm neither a physicist nor a psychologist, but you know, if somebody knows nothing about either subject, I could flim flam them into thinking I knew, you know, you can get, if you're sharp you, and you have your intent, you can get most people to do almost anything you want if you're willing to do it. And yes. like you said, and it's because they don't evaluate information very well. And I think that that's the first, having a strong sense of logic is the first defense against anything bad. All right. Agreed. Point number two, pay attention. Yeah, that's, uh, that's another one. You know, I mean, it's, you can't see something if you're not, if your eyes aren't open. And I mean, that was something that, that, Again, if you're not looking, you're very unlikely to see it. It's you know, it's easy for me to, to understand things through the martial arts has taught me so much. I, I understand most things in my life through the context of jiu-jitsu or, or fighting and martial arts in general. And I'm like, oh, yeah. how can I be aware of this choke or that arm lock or this punch? If I've never even heard about it, and I'm certainly if I'm sleeping, because we've all been caught sleeping while training before, and you get popped in the nose or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's very very important that we keep our eyes open and we realize that hey you know, the world is not all sunshine and farts, you know, you have to keep your eyes open and realize that these things are out there. And that's just like walking across the street. You know, if I just kind of stick my head down and walk across, there's a good chance I'm going to get splattered. But if I pay attention and recognize what's going on around me, I, I significantly, help, you know, there's nothing guaranteed, but I significantly increases my chances of making it out of whatever I'm up to alive. Yeah. So really so much of it is, like you said, just being mentally aware and if you feel a certain way, you know, there's a reason for it. You know, your brain, what brains have been, you know, we're the results of evolution and years and, and thousands and hundreds of thousands of millions of years of evolution and this and that. You have feelings for a reason. If you're feeling a way, start to think about it. Don't just try to stuff it into the back of your head. Because I know I did for a long time. And I was like, ah, I don't like the feel of this. Oh, Ryan, you must be wrong. You're a fool. You're you're being a dummy or so-and-so. My parents told me something. Ryan, keep your eyes open. Ah, what do they know? Yeah. Big mistake. Well, rationalization is pretty easy to do. Uh the rational mind is fantastic for sorting out long-term projects and goals and stuff. But in the moment, uh, you need to trust your gut because that's your subconscious mind. That's processing all that information. Your rational mind's not even touching. I, I, you put it really well. A little phrase in that, in that thing was face the discomfort instead of rationalizing it away. I think that's the crux yeah. of that point there is, you know, uh, 
you can't ignore the bad stuff because it conflicts with your ideal of what you want to be getting. Absolutely. And, and that's, a, that's a big thing as well. I mean, most truths in our life that are very, very, very important, well, at least maybe not most, but a certain a decent chunk of them are not the most pleasant thing in the universe to come to terms with, you know, and we just, it's very, very important that I don't start with my conclusion that I have, and this is something that people do all the time, and this really pisses me off, is they start with their position and then they reverse rationalize their thought process and do it to justify it, as opposed to saying, all right, what does the fact say? Yeah. Right, well, that's what it is. Dang, I don't. Doesn't matter if I like it or not. This is what it is. As opposed to saying, "Well, I tell you, this pen is blue, and it's a red pen." And I'm like, "Well, it's blue because it has the content, the characteristics of body, body, body." I can reverse rationalize almost anything. Right, it's right. Very, very important. We don't allow that. <laughs> yeah, uh, the rules of logic do not allow that. Yep. Um, number three, ask. Yep, and again, it was, if you aren't sure that you know uh, what's right and wrong, get a reality check about your situation from people outside your academy. An academy could be anything. An academy could be a school. It could be a gym. It could be a, a work environment. It could be anything. But, you know, smart people, and not, not even it's like IQ points or something like that in a form, but just other people who are not emotionally invested, you know, they always give us fantastic information. I mean, you know, again, right. I, I can almost always tell other people what their problems are and, and how to fix them. And not always, not that I'm always right by any stretch, but it's very easy for me to be like, well, let me tell you, Dave, you need to do this, that, and other thing. Sure. Blah, 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 blah. And then when you say, well, Ryan, what about you? I'm like, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. you know, <laughs> and you tell me the same thing, and I want to explain to you why you're wrong. You right. know, because even though, even though you're right, I'm like, I don't like the way that it sounds initially. And, you know, the reality is that we need to go to people that aren't emotionally attached. And, and a lot of times that's why those, those, my parents and my friends, you know, who are from my, my original academy, those, those are the ones that were like, Hey, have you considered this, that, have you considered that this might not be right, or that might not be right, or what this person told you is, mm-hmm. is not okay, you know, and then, of course, I didn't like to hear that initially, but then I started to think about it, and it started to grow like a seed in my mind, and I was like, hey, these guys are right, thank God I, would, I can talk to them, because I would ask other people involved, and you gotta understand, like, when you're involved in a situation like that, the other people are, experience, are experiencing the same damn thing you are. So of course, yeah, you're all looking at the same horizon. So it's hard to right. get any perspective. Same perspective, and if that perspective is skewed, you know this person may not even be trying to mislead you. But hell, they're going to be some shitty advice. Yeah. Well, it's a you know we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's a you know it's good to cultivate people who will kick you back into play out of love. Absolutely. Uh, number four, stand up. This one is. You know, the most, at least in my mind, you know, it's it's the one that's dearest to my heart, honestly, because I there's I know a lot of people, and in a lot of situations, it's easy to be big talk, but then you know, when the the wheels meet the road, it's it's all it's easy to be like, oh well, Dave, uh, you should be the one to step up and do this. I support you 110 percent, body, body, body. Right, I've got your and, back. And, <laughs> I, that's right, I got your back uh, from from back here. You know, right. uh, you know, again, it's, I got your way back. <laughs> right, the greatest generals lead from the front. You know, you don't lead from the back. You get up there and you make sure your actions support your words. If you see something you don't like, if you see something that's wrong, you have to stand up and say something. It's, you know, I, I think this is the most important thing in, in, in the entire world to me, honestly. It's, you know, do what's right and the chips will fall where they may. None of us makes it out of life alive and none of us, you know, can really be sure. We're gonna, I, you know, man, I could walk from here to the other side of the dang house and a helicopter could fall out of the freaking sky and crush me. There's no way for me to be sure that won't happen. Mm-hmm. But you know, I can figure out what I believe is the right thing to do and know that regardless of the consequences, I'm going to do it. Not that I'm anything like Rosa Parks or anything like that, but what, I mean, when she got, when she refused to get up out of her seat, what could happen? Holy shit. I'm guaranteeing you there was all sorts of things flying through her mind. wondering, like, I wonder how this is going to go. 
but she said, Hey, this is the right thing to do. And I'm not, I'm planting my damn feet and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, sometimes it's bigger than you are. You know, this may cause me problems, but I cannot sit by and watch. That's right. And, and it's, it's always for the future. And, and a lot of times right. it's not even for the future. An hour from now or a year from now or even 10 years from now, it's, hey, the people that come after me, are they going to have to go through the same shit that I went through? You know, are they, do I want that for them? Would I have to, a person that, I mean, you know, honestly, you know, again, it's decide what, who you are and what you stand for. And then go. Don't go and then then as you're going, be like, well, you know, I'm going to adjust my value system to make sure that I stay safe. Life is inherently unsafe. Right. You know, crazy shit happens. Yeah. And anybody that we've ever heard of throughout the course of history, they did some things that were not entirely, you know, riskless. You know, so again, if you have nothing that you wouldn't stake your reputation or your life on, you have nothing. You know, right. so I think, like you said, it's be willing to stand behind everything you do and if other people don't like you for it. Hell, man, who cares? Know that you sleep well at night knowing that you're doing what you believe to be right. Absolutely. Oh, man, I'm so with you on that one. Um, let's go ahead and finish this out, though. Number five, find support. That's very important, too. Absolutely. And, I mean, this is something that, that's always been important because a lot of times, you know, the time gaslighting is something that I think is very important. You know, the idea, like, if you don't, if there's 10 of me and there's one of you, and you disagree with me, it's very, very easy for me to make you feel isolated and alone and foolish or crazy or wrong. Mm-hmm. You have to go out, you have to go outside and you have to find people and say other people that you truly respect and say, Hey guys, you know, it's, it's what I think is what's going on here. And what I'm telling you is this whole water. If so, you know, really spend your time with those people, like your true friends. And again, a true friend is not the sort of guy, let's say Francis, we're in a bar and I'm bullying somebody and I'm being a big old jerk, and they hit me in the face. A true friend does not punch that guy in the head. A true friend says, right, he, all right, I'm, let, I'm not going to let you get killed, but I'm going to let you take your ass with him because you deserve it. Right, he drags you, know, you out of there and stuffs you in the car, you know? <laughs> right. He doesn't jump up and sucker punch the guy that you were bullying. You know, like the people that are going to do right, that you, people that you respect and whose judgments you respect that are going to do the right thing, go and find them. The ones that will tell you you're wrong when you're wrong, but who will stand with you when you're right. Not the people who will stand with you when it's easy, and who will tell you will tell you you're wrong when it's convenient for them or whatever. But the people that you truly respect, and the reality is, you probably don't know fifty of them. You know, right? Don't really know a couple, but well, that's the you know we seem to live in a world where there's a double standard, uh, and I think that depresses a lot of people and sort of steers them onto the wrong path. But you know, if your conscience is telling you that something's wrong, there is someone that agrees with you. Absolutely, you got to talk to them and yeah. see what they say. Yeah. Uh, almost to the end here, number six, provide support. This is kind of the flip side of find support, and it's if you have a strong moral compass, and I think that that's something that's so critical to develop. You know, we live in this ridiculous, obnoxious world at this point, honestly, with this moral equivalency where there's no right and wrong, or it's, well, you know, morality is like every fucking moron that I know that, like, you know, didn't even graduate high school wants to go on a, you read a, you listen to a YouTube video and be like, hey, man, morality is like subjective, bro. Look, right, take that postmodernist shit out of here, and you don't even know what postmodernist means. <laughs> Seriously, man, it's like he's got double-digit IQ. Get the fuck out of here! It's ridiculous, you know. And it's hey, you know, there are certain things don't cross against the red light. All right, look, right. you know what? That's not a right and wrong issue. That's a hey, is there a cop there issue? Yeah, he's got to give you a ticket, or maybe he doesn't. But there's a law, and then there's right and wrong. When you're talking about murder, rape, theft, there is no like. Well, what do you think? It's hey, this is not what yeah. you do. You know, if you have a develop a strong, firm sense of right and wrong, because if you never do that, you'll never have the nerve to plant your feet because you'll never truly believe. You can't say, hey, 
I know I'm right. It takes it takes belief. It takes it takes. Uh, I don't. I'm not that I'm uh, attributing this to myself in any way, but it, it takes courage to be able to be like, hey, I know I'm right. There may be 50 of you, but y'all are wrong. I know this is right, and I won't stand for it. And the only way you're going to have the, the, the fortitude to do that is if you have a, a strong belief system in place. If you have this waffly bullshit approach to life, you're always going to question yourself too much to ever plant your feet. So again, make sure that you develop a strong moral compass. And when you see other people that need your support, it is on you to go and help them. Like if I see some nonsense going down and I see someone making a stand against it, it is my duty to go and help these people. I don't just say, well, you know, it's not really my concern. The brand is my damn concern. We all look at it, you know? And I wish that more people would, would step up. And again, this goes back to the same idea. You know, it's the indifference of otherwise good people that allows mm-hmm. bad things to happen. It's selfish behavior where it's like, well, yeah, they haven't come for me yet. That's right. They haven't gotten to me. It's like, well, give them time because they will, one. Right. And two, it's like, hey, you know what? If I, every single time I let nonsense go down and I let someone else stand against it and then that person falls because they stood alone. I teach bad people that they can get away with bullshit. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I teach good people that, hey, if you stand up, no one's going to support you. You know, yeah. you need to, we have to understand the impact that we have on the psyche and the psychology of other people around us, not to mention ourselves. Do the right thing, develop a strong moral compass, and be willing to stand behind it. Yeah, and develop it on uh, as much of a factual and, you know, empirical basis as you can. That's where number six rolls back into number one. If you're going to be a support provider, you need to be a learner constantly too, because you know, there is such a thing as providing support to a bad network. Absolutely. Um, and number seven, I guess this will tie it up nicely is keep perspective. <laughs> I mean, this is the sort of thing that, I mean, it's easy. I can speak to this personally. It's easy to lose. And I've been, you know, kicking the pants on my parents and family and girlfriend and friends and stuff like that with this before. And I really needed it. And, you know, no matter how important, you know, whatever it is that we're doing we seem, it's never a substitute for what is truly valuable in our life, you know, character, you know, mm-hmm. who you are and what you believe in, your real friends, your family, you know, the people that are going to love and care for you no matter what. It's not, hey, Ryan, how much money are you making this week? Oh, you didn't get the deal up. Uh, you're, not, you're not useful to me anymore. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's a business relationship. I understand if someone says, all right, Ryan, you're not getting the job done, you got to go. Mom and dad, unless I really screw up, <laughs> right. I, don't see that in the, I don't see that in the cards. And if that happens, you know, the problem is not with them, it's with me. And, uh, you know, the key is just maintaining perspective because, you know, I remember everything was all great and then I got injured. And then mm. things were a little bit less good. Yeah, and you're not producing was, uh, anymore. That's right, you're not the guy. Where's the next guy? Oh, this so-and-so is not injured. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. But obviously, if people want to operate on that level, that's fine. I understand. That's like a professional sports team. Right. But hey, recognize that George Steinbrenner is not your damn dad. You know, it's a business transaction. Please, people. And it's the same thing. Gold medals are not a substitute for relationships and, you know, and character. You know, I mean, I, I just don't know how we can say it any more clearly. Just truly remember, as important as anything it is that we're doing may seem, what's really important, you know, has no, it has intrinsic value. Right. And, you know, I think that puts a nice bow on it. Uh, frankly, I'm going to recommend that everybody listening to this go ahead and download the PDF of this or look it up online. We'll have a link to it. Read the whole thing. Don't give me that TLDR bullshit. Read the whole damn thing. If you can't concentrate on this, then, you know, <laughs> long. I'm just, I'm sorry I'm going on about it, but I, I've actually seen a lot of people like, oh, that's cool, but it's too long. 
What the fuck? Uh, you, you know, what, it's funny. It's funny you mention that because I was thinking the same thing when I wrote it. I was like, oh crap! You know, maybe people won't read it. And I was like, hey man, this is about rape and right and wrong and this and that. I'm like, if someone can't read twenty pages when it comes down to that, then I don't know what the hell the world has come to. Exactly. You know, if I don't want to read twenty pages about a baseball game. Understand, but if you know, again, morality and if I can't waste my time on that, then. I don't, I don't know what to say. And it's not, I have no interest to, you know, it's not like I'm a great writer or anything like that. It needs to be read for that reason. But, you know, again, people's lives and, and, you know, uh, I don't know. I've seen the same thing. Well, look at and all this yeah. nonsense. I can't read that. Man, people, people's attention spans have gotten pretty rough. Well, look, you're no Hemingway, but you actually are a good writer and it's a well-written essay. And, uh, and so it's not a struggle to read people. Just do this because this is not just about martial arts. This is about life in general. But hey, we love martial arts. So before I let you go, and I know I've kept you on here a long time. It's been a lot of fun. Um, let, let's go ahead and bounce back on that sport versus street question because I, I think you got a few interesting things. This is something, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard our podcast before, but it's something that comes up a lot because most of us are traditional martial arts. A lot of the people we talk to are. Um, but there's this constant struggle between, you know, the tra- traditionals say they have the deadlies and they, you know, I couldn't compete with this. I'd kill you. It's too brutal. Right. It's too brutal for the ring, but they never right. actually, you know, get a scrape or a scab, you know, swapping paint with anybody, but they think that's going to walk them out of a street fight. And on the other hand, there are some, you know, there's some MMA meatheads that think everything and anything that, that matters in martial arts can be settled in the octagon. So, you know, when it comes to having your martial arts interact with real life, and we've already talked about that a lot because it's a lot of it's about character and all that other stuff. But, you know, if somebody's going to push you around, let's uh, you had this little incident where a, a drunken man uh, accosted you and the table you were sitting at in a restaurant. And look, I grew up in the South. I've seen that kind of thing a, f- a few times, you know. Somebody hopped a little out of their head uh, or a little too drunk and just decides to get belligerent with the nearest table or people. And yep. you handled him, I thought, very gently. You know, you took, you. Him, you took him down and uh, you mounted him and held his hands and his buddy put his foot on his throat so you could get off of him. <laughs> He's going to yep. take him out of there. And then, you know, you were, they were just trying to hustle him out of the restaurant, but it looked like he was making a move at some of your people and, and you grabbed him from behind and choked him out in about three seconds flat and boom, the police were there. Yep. Well, uh, you know, I guess, uh, when that guy walked into the restaurant, we'd actually just gotten finished up at a grappling tournament when I was coaching some of my students and, uh, and friends. And, you know, we went to go grab a bite to eat and it was on the Jersey shore, you know, talking that something might pop off there. But, right. you know, <laughs> um, you know, this person comes in and, and with his buddy and, you know, they're obviously a little bit tuned up and whatnot. And, uh, you know, they're bothering people and asking for, you know, being pretty aggressive and asking if someone's got a lighter and they won't go away. And it's, you know, it became a little bit apparent to me at that point that that was just a bit of a lead into something else. And, uh, you know, I was trying to talk this person down and, you know, not threatening them or anything like that. Nothing I'm a scary looking guy to begin with. But, um, you know, this person ended up getting in my face and threatening me. So he's going to bite my nose off. And I'm like, all right, well, yeah. he's a little fidgety and he keeps reaching towards his back pocket. And, you know, like real martial arts, self-defense, you know, again, real martial arts in my mind is not, you know, street or sport or any particular style. It's, it's things that work in real life and, and, you know, in all sorts of different ways. And, uh, you know, self-defense has always been a very, very, you know, important thing for me and something I'm most concerned about because particularly, again, as we discussed, you know, the reason they got into martial arts 
And, uh, you know, obviously this person was, was getting belligerent, was very close. And I let him inside of my space because, you know, I was not terribly concerned, but he started reaching towards his back pocket over and over. And I'm like, oh, man, I really hope this idiot isn't going to pull out a knife or something. So the second that he got within range, ended up double-legging him and then, you know, mounted him quickly. And I, and I told him I grabbed his hands. I didn't want him to bite me or, you know, hit him in the groin or anything like that because I didn't want to hurt this guy. And if he did anything like that, I would have to mess him up a little bit. And, uh, you know, I had a table of people behind me. So ordinarily, you know, I was actually really happy there was a bunch of people there because if it's two people against you, you have to respond a little bit more severely than when you have a uh, a little bit of a safety net. Right, you, you know, can't just hold you. the guy's wrists while you're mounting him if his buddy's attacking you. Yeah, <laughs> right, and exactly, and it's not on you to take that risk. And trust me, that I'm not going to kick you in the side of the head when you're when you're holding on to my friend. So I mean, I'm just glad that it wasn't a situation that was quite that severe. Yeah, but uh, you know, I ended up letting the guy up and must have handed him his jacket four or five times. So he threw it. He all threw over it on the. Slapped his buddy full on in the face, super hard. And, it's a classic you know, video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting, and uh, and I guess uh, you know I tried to get him to go outside, not not like bring, bring him outside to to fight him or anything like that, but I was just trying to help him. I'm like, hey man, the cops are going to come, you're going to get yourself into trouble. Why don't you get out of here? You know, no one really wants to, no one wants to fight you. Just you know, you're the man. Just head on out. Yeah. And uh, he went to go when my friend did something that wasn't the world's most productive thing in the world. He was like, just get the fuck out. He yelled at him, and. Uh, my buddy Seth, he just got in, uh, uh, you know, hip labrum surgery, and he was on crutches. If someone had even tackled him, it could have torn his leg in half. And I was like, oh man! The second this guy stepped to him, I, I dragged him out the door. And uh, it was funny. I remember people being like, oh, well, you suckered him. It's like if I wanted to beat this person to death, it would have taken about ten seconds. But I don't. I, I would hope to think that the video showed that that was not the goal at all. I didn't want to hurt this man in, in any way. Well, no, you you, know, you I, could have killed the guy if you wanted to. You just hold that choke for a minute and a half, and he's finished. <laughs> Right, but that's it was not like how it went before. down. <laughs> yeah. This is like we discussed before. This is not a unique opportunity to be like, "Holy shit, let me beat the hell out of somebody that has no idea who he's dealing with." Like that's that's a cowardly move. You know, that's not that, that's a, that's not acceptable right. behavior. You know, it's the sort of thing where you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna you know get this guy out of here so he doesn't hurt himself or anybody else." Because when I dragged him out the door, he had his head on the door. And the second that I did that, I was like, oh, "I got to put him to sleep because if I let him go now, he's going to swing at me, and I don't want to have to beat him up." Right. So I'll just put him right out, and then you know the cops showed up, and they managed, you know. And I think another important part about anything self-defense oriented is understanding how to articulate yourself to the police, because yes. you know when they showed up, I, I had I had to discuss what went on, and you know, uh, you know, of course you can't be like, "Yeah, you got my face," and I had to get it on, and you know, <laughs> right. go down, and yeah, that's how you get arrested. Not to mention you come off like a jerk, but you know, I just had to be able to articulate like why I did what I did, why I felt threatened, what was going on, and. And everything had a pretty pretty positive resolution. And then, believe it or not, the guy actually came back in and wanted to shake hands and this and that. I was so sure he was going to stab me or something when he came back. I couldn't believe the cops <laughs> let him go. But, uh, you know, it ended up, ended up tearing, turning out about as well as it could have. But, you know, I, I think that's what real martial arts is. Like, you know, being able to handle yourself, being, you know, you have to do sparring, you have to do this and that. You know, and there's, there's an element of truth to, to each aspect of the martial arts. Of course, like you said, you know, the guys that are in, you know, in the cage doing this and that, training all the time, yeah, you have a, a certain aspect down pat. But right. there's blind spots to that big time. The same way the guys that train 110% stuff that's really, really hard to to, to practice on anyone because you'll maim me. You know, you have a certain aspect down, but maybe you got another blind spot because of the lack of live training. And, and I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle, and not to mention the psychological components, understanding, you know, how, like, whether it's, you know, you want to read books about how you how the cycle, you know, how the psychological, you know, cycle is going to work, or Jeff Thompson defense and things like that, and understanding, you know, contact, free contact, what phase we're in, understanding when someone is about to get violent and cues, different things like that. Yeah. As well as how to speak to the police. I, I think these are all important parts, and, and it mm-hmm. always was strange to me 
But, and it was, this is where it became apparent to me right out of the gate, you know, the martial arts. It's funny, the Gracie's are hilarious like this, actually, by the way, because, like, you know, like, they started out as an MMA family beating everybody up, and they're, and they're awesome, don't get me wrong. And, I mean, I wouldn't be here talking if it weren't for Horace Gracie and the family, but... Oh, yeah, they changed became, the face of martial arts in this country. No question, but they became way less relevant in MMA because, you know, obviously you can't just get through it. You can't get through modern-day professional fighting with just groundwork. And right. then it was like, oh, they tournament jiu-jitsu. And then, of course, some of the best competitors in the history of tournament jiu-jitsu are, are uh, you know, are, are like Hodger Gracie and, and Khan. is fantastic. But now it's they're like, oh, self-defense, self-defense, self-defense. I'm like, oh, that's, that's an interesting switch because 10 years ago it was MMA, MMA, MMA. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, when it was convenient to say MMA, it's MMA. And the self-defense guys don't know shit. And then it was, now that it's not convenient to say MMA anymore, because you can't really do that, you know, it's, oh, man, let me tell you, like all the other jiu-jitsu schools out there aren't teaching real self-defense. You know, I don't know, it's interesting to see the cycle, but a lot of, I always thought it was interesting, like, uh, you know, that, that there's different warring factions, rather than saying, hey, you guys have something good over there, I'd like to learn that. Hey, you guys have something good over there, I'd like to learn that. I have to try to pretend that I have all the answers. Right. And the second, like, it, it's a cycle. Like, for instance, no one looks at Dan Gable and says, oh, man, what a jerk, what a punk, he can't win the Olympics anymore. They're like, of course he can, he's an old man, he was, yeah. he's fantastic, he was a hero, he's, he's yeah. a legend. But only in martial arts do we go, like, I'm like, okay, I was a heck of a fighter in my 20s and 30s, and now that I'm 60 years old, i got to be like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah. It's about death touch. You know, people change their tune to try to stay relevant. And I, I always thought that was very strange. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm getting along in the tooth, but frankly, I, I know I'm not going to win a competition against you or any other professional athlete in a ring. But how does that how would that how does that diminish you in any way? And how does that mean that you wouldn't have all sorts of different things that you could teach it, me or that I don't know anything about that I would be you know I would be, I would love to learn? And, and the only type of person that would that would hold that against you is someone that doesn't even know what the hell they're doing or what the heck they're talking about. Right. And somebody who's frankly, you know, not just in my case or anything, but somebody who's turning their back on a much broader world from both sides of the aisle. Um, So, yeah, I think we're in agreement on that. Uh, You know, I got nothing but respect for MMA guys, BJJ guys, and I think they can handle their asses on the street just fine, too. Um, you know, but again, but there have to be, we have to be aware of the different blind spots and different things. You know, there's certain, we train for certain scenarios that in under certain circumstances will be fantastic under others, probably less so. Yeah. And I think it's just important to realize that, Hey, none of us have all the answers. Let's go out there and treat other people with respect and, and courtesy. And Hey, maybe they'll tell us what they know and we can tell them what we know and we can all be better for it. Yeah. And as you, as you mentioned it, uh, in the article that I read, it's, it's also about situational awareness, you know, for, for most things you don't need your full-on kill face like you, you didn't have to try to kill that guy to protect yourself and your people at the table and you know it's it's really rare when you find yourself in a situation where it's me or him you know that almost never happens well i won't say almost never happens but it happens it happens less frequently in the world we live in today than it ever has probably in human history i think that's pretty reasonable and so, you know, it's not all just about that. Yeah, we want to be ready for that moment if it comes. You know, if somebody runs across the street at my child with a machete, they're getting everything I got, you know. Yep. But, you yep. know, if somebody's being a loudmouth, it's, it's martial arts is not just about, you know, knocking the other guy out. It's also about managing the situation and having the confidence and courage not to be punked into overreacting. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's my sermon for tonight. Uh, <laughs> look, I've had you on here an hour and 20 minutes, and I know you're a busy man, and I really appreciate you coming on here and talking with us. Uh, thank you so much. 
No problem, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to get to talk with you, and uh, I hope to meet you in person one day. Hey, you know, I've still got peeps up there in Virginia so uh, and D.C., so one of these days, uh, you might just see me darken your door, and you guys can just twist me up like a pretzel there. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Man, we get a beer after. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I want to ride one of them Oma Pilatas or whatever you call them. Yep. <laughs> I want to take that ride. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like uh, sounds like fun. All right, Ryan Hall. Thank you so much for coming on High Out of Podcast. Thank you. So thanks again to Ryan Hall for coming on and talking about these difficult subjects with us. What a great guy. And uh, I guess all that remains to tell you is uh, please uh, visit our website, highoutpodcast.com. Uh, come on down and rate and review us on iTunes. We love, love, love that. Helps us keep this thing going. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter now. Uh, as a quick note. I put out a call to Twitter with a question and only got a couple of responses, so maybe we're not at the point where we can do that yet, but uh, go ahead and, uh, and follow us on Twitter if you haven't, because we will be involving you in uh, some of the programs as we go forward. All right, folks, that's it. Thank you very much, and stay tuned. More coming soon. Hiya! And it's just going to be imploding. It's like being a Mets fan, only not nearly as bad. And one of those as well. So I'm at a pretty constant level of thinking about splitting my wrist. You know, that was one of the best uh, one, two, three rants we've ever had. So. <laughs> <laughs>